Numbers, chapter 33. Numbers. I'd like for you to remember God's purpose in this early, early time in Jewish history. He wanted to take these people for his people. He wanted, to, he wanted to protect them and take them and nurture them and get them from here to here. But they didn't cooperate. And that older generation, 21 and older, they got left behind in the desert. They all died off after... 38 and a half years of circling in the desert. Now, having said that, we are now at the end of all that wandering. We are now at the time of celebration. Moses is about to go to heaven. I'm sure he's pretty happy about that. He's told he's going to go to heaven. Sure he's pretty good about that, yes. So with that said, let's go to, we're not go. I, if you've read ahead, which John and Boots often do, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to read all these verses that are very meticulously detailed here. But chapter 33, these are the journeys of the children of Israel which went forth out of the land of Egypt with their armies under the hand of Moses and Aaron. And Moses wrote their goings out according to their journeys. He was the writer according to their journeys by commandment of the Lord. And these are their journeys according to their goings out. And they departed from Ramses. If we go back, to Exodus, Ramses is where they started as slaves. In the first month of the 15th day of the first month, and on the morrow after the Passover, remember the Passover, when the angel passed over all the Jewish nation because of they put blood on their door, on their door lintel there. And the angel, the death angel passed over all of them, but he didn't pass over the Egyptian families. They had no blood applied to their door frames. Now, our blood on our door frame is the blood of Jesus Christ in our heart. That's what washes away our sins. That's what gets us into heaven. That's what causes the, the death angel to pass over us, so to speak. So, verse 3, And they departed from Ramses in the first month, January, which doesn't equate really to where we're at, 15th day on the morrow. Verse, verse uh, 3 again, it says, The children of Israel went out with a high hand in the sight of all the Egyptians. They went out with power. They went out taking things along with them, things that, that they would need. For the Egyptians buried all their firstborn, which the Lord 
had smitten, killed among them upon their gods. Also the Lord executed judgments. And the children of Israel removed from Ramses and pitched in Succoth. And then we go for dozens of Bible verses showing all that we've already covered. Moses liked to review things. And you're, if you were to take the time, I, I know John and Boots do, they go ahead and they, they read ahead. But this is pretty non-exciting scripture. And they pitched here and they pitched here and they pitched here and they pitched here. And for 38 years, all of their travels are summarized here. And Moses didn't miss a one. So let's go from let's go from chapter 31 verse 5 to chapter 31 verse 50 when it ended when their travels ended in the plains of Moab verse 50 and the Lord spoke unto Moses in the plains of Moab next to Jordan near Jericho saying speak unto the children of Israel Moses and say unto them, When you are passed over Jordan into the land of Canaan. This is God's dream. This is God's purpose. For them to pass over Jordan and become a nation of their own right. To have a nation that he would be their king. This was his dream, his purpose. His, he wanted to see them cross over. We're going to see where, where when you go, you pass over. When you go, uh, you're going to have to drive out the people that are there. And we will get to that in January. Joshua at the Battle of Jericho. When you have passed over, verse 52, then you shall drive out all the inhabitants of the land from before you, and you shall destroy all their pictures. Now, they didn't have pictures like we might have on the walls. They had drawings. You will destroy all their drawings because they worshipped other gods. God wanted everything removed that might cause them to stumble spiritually. He wants that for us too. He wants us to cleanse our homes and our lives of anything that might cause us to stumble. He says, destroy all their pictures. Destroy all their molten images. They worship stone and wood gods. One of the way they worshiped was by Throwing their children into the fire to sacrifice. Children sacrifice to worship their gods. And he says, destroy all their molten images and quite pluck down all their high places. And again, if there's a mountain peak in the, in the distance, they had a worship center up there. And you could see the the Chris bat the what am I saying cross? I've lost a word. They would go up this way, go up this way, go up this way. Switchbacks, switchbacks. They would do the switchbacks, and so that there would be 
hundreds and hundreds of people going up the, going up the, the switchbacks to get to these mountain peaks. Verse 53, you will pluck them down, 52, and you shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land. You will, now you're going to take over their homes. You're going to take over their cities. You're going to take over their farms. You're going to move in on them and move them out. But when you do, remove anything that would be a stumbling block to you or your children. Remove any kind of God of God worship, of uh, Baal worship. Verse 54. And when you've done all that, you shall divide the land by lot for an inheritance among your families. And to, and to the more you shall give the more inheritance. And to the fewer you shall give the less inheritance. Every man's inheritance shall be in the place where his lot falls. According to the tribes of your fathers, you shall inherit. Stopping right there for a moment. There's 12 tribes. They had these lots, almost like dice, numbered. And they had a map numbered. And that there were these 12 areas and that they have subdivided it and subdivided all of Israel into this checkerboard. And then you would reach into the bag, pull out your number, and if you were four, you would be the tribe of Dan. Your family is going to live right here. You would pull out another number, and that would be your tribe, where your family is going to live, where you're going to have your farms and and but what he's also saying there God's in charge when you reach into there it's not just luck God is the decider who gets what land and where and he he mentions it to those of you that have larger families some of these families were hundreds and hundreds of thousands they needed more land and when you reached in, you would actually pull out a number of that area that gave you more. It was all by God's direction. So he's telling you, once you've gone in and you've purged the land of, every, of everyone there, not necessarily killing them all, but pushing them out. And then when you push them out, you are to get rid of all of all worship of Baal gods and other sun god and the moon god and all that. Get rid of it all so that your children aren't polluted by it. So that's what he said so far, but with a warning. Look at this next verse. Verse 55, but... If you will not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall come to pass that those which you let remain of them, they shall be pricks in your eyes, thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein ye dwell. And that happened. There was one whole city, we'll see it, 
next year when we get to it. There was one whole city that dressed up like ragamuffins, that dressed up like very poor, they dressed up like poor people. They, t they carried rotten fruit and vegetables with them to prove just how poor they were. And Joshua, oh, you poor people, we'll let you live. We'll let you live and be our servants. And those people, when we get to it, were, were a thorn in the side to, the, to Israel from that day on. They were outsiders that believed in Baal worship and they polluted the people and eventually they were intermarrying and they were thorns in the sides of Israel. Verse 55 again, so important. If we won't drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it will come to pass that those which you let remain of them shall be pricks in your side, in your eyes, and thorns in your sides, and shall vex you in the land wherein you dwell. Moreover, it shall come to pass that I, God, shall do unto you as I thought to do unto them. Ouch. God is going to curse the Israelites if they don't purge the land of these God worshipers, small God worshipers. Now listen, verse 34. And the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, Command the children of Israel and say unto them, When you come into the land, this is the land that... that shall fall unto you for an inheritance, even the land of Canaan. Now we're going to see the borders of Israel. We're going to, we're going to, if we read it, we're going to read how the border of Israel goes beyond this way, goes all the way over to the Mediterranean, otherwise called the Salt Sea, this way, how it goes all the way up to the north of Syria and how it goes all the way down. And this is a very, in, very intricate, detailed map of Israel. He's giving them the map that they're going to live. And they still don't have it. They still don't have these borders completely. But when we talk about chapter 34, we're talking about the borders of the, of the country of Israel. Let's go to verse, let's go to chapter 35. Chapter 35. And the Lord spoke unto Moses in the plains of Moab by Jordan, real close to Jericho. Command the children of Israel that they give unto the Levites of the inheritance of their possession cities to dwell in. And you shall give also unto the Levites suburbs outside the cities for the cities round about. Now, again, the Levites were the priests. What they're saying is instead of having one central area of, of worship, it later evolves into Jerusalem. We're going to take 48 Levites. 
Levites. We're going to take 48 priests and, and their families. And every single, now remember, there's only 12 county types. They've subdivided the land into, into 12 areas. But of those 12 areas, they're going to take 48 places in those 12 areas and make them parsonages where they will have tabernacles. They will have churches so that everywhere you go, there are preachers, there are parsonages, and you won't have to travel very far to get to a priest to go to church to worship God Jehovah. And that's what this next section is, although I find it, I find it incredible that in, starting in verse 11, we have cities of refuge. That's politically active today. There's cities of refuge where if you commit a crime, you can run to these cities and they can't, they can't arrest you. Look at it with me. Verse 11. And you shall, I'm in 35, verse 11. And you shall appoint, then you shall appoint you cities to be cities of refuge for you, that the slayer may flee there, which killeth any person unawares, unintentional. Here's what they had in Israel at this time it was a bloody society. If Wayne backed his car, if Wayne backed his buggy into someone else's buggy and someone died from it, his family would hunt him down to kill him. It was the family's obligation to hunt him down and kill him. That's what, what it was like in that day in, in, in Israel. Moses changed that. I want to say God changed that. There are going to be eight cities that if you unintentionally kill somebody, you can run to and you can hide there until your, 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 course, your court case is reviewed. And if, if it's seen that it was a total accident, unintentional, you're cleared and the family cannot kill you. But they often did. Anyway. You think about that time. We can't think about it. It was the Wild West. Think about it out there. The other, the other thing is there were people whose job they hired themselves out to revenge people. Families would hire a wanted, dead or alive person to, be, to go and kill the person that killed their nephew, that killed their son, even if it was accidental. That's what these cities of refuge were. Now, I guess I'll have time. Let's look at this again. Verse 15. These six cities of refuge 
shall be a refuge both for the children of Israel and for the stranger and for the traveler among them, that everyone that kills another person unintentionally may run there. And if he smite him with an instrument of iron, don't use iron, so that he die, he's a murderer. And the murderer shall surely be put to death, death penalty. And if he kills him by throwing a stone, wherewith he may die, and he die, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he kills him, if he kills him, with a hand weapon of wood, wherewith he may die, he dies, he's a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. There was no prisons full of murderers. There were cemeteries filled with murderers. Verse 19, the revenger of blood himself shall slay the murderer. When he meets him, he shall slay him. But if he thrust him of hatred or hurl at him by laying of weight that he die or in enmity hate smite him with his hand that he die he that smote him shall surely be put to death for he is a murderer the revenger of blood shall slay the murderer when he meets him but if he thrust him suddenly without enmity without hate or have cast upon him anything without laying in wait no pre premeditation motive is very important with their laws why you did something was it an accident or was it in was it in hate in anger when uh, verse 23 or when, with a stone wherewith a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him that he die. He was not his enemy, neither sought his harm. If it wasn't premeditated, if it wasn't on purpose, he's not going to be put to death. He can run to the cities of refuge and hide out there until... He can hide out there until his case is seen and he gets cleared or look at this verse 28 because he should have remained in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest when the high priest dies everybody goes free isn't that something amnesty for everybody because he should have remained in the city of his refuge until the death of the high priest. But after the death of the high priest, the slayer shall return into the land of his possession. So these things shall be for a statute, a law of judgment unto you throughout your generations in these dwellings. Whosoever kills a person, the murderer shall be put to death. By the mouth of witnesses, but one witness shall not testify against any person to cause him to die. Stopping right there for a moment. It comes to mind. It comes to mind that you could go to court and you could have witnesses. 
I'm looking for a shepherd. I guess this is a shepherd if I don't break him. He's got a lamb on his head. Let me tell you, in the time of Christ, all those shepherds, all those shepherds came and saw the baby in the, in the barn, in the manger, with the light there. But shepherds were not allowed to give testimony. God saw them as a, as a great, great, wonderful gift to mankind, these shepherds. But they were considered by, by man, by man's law, as not trustworthy. God did. God saw them and rewarded them with seeing the, with seeing the Christ child. There is a field, and it goes on for like two or three square miles of field. That is called Shepherd's Field. And it's like three square miles even. And it had all these sheep and all these shepherds, and they all were called by the angels to go see Jesus. But they weren't ever allowed to testify in court. For according to man, they were unworthy. I, I look back in the scriptures and I see some of the greatest men of God were shepherds. Left alone in the fields by night, having just God and his presence with them. Wow. So the high priest. I want you to look at the last line in verse 35. Defile not therefore the land which you have shall inhabit wherein I dwell. For I the Lord dwell among the children of Israel. A big picture. The big picture. is all these other countries surrounding Israel. They have a king. The Lord's intention was that he would be king. He would be the king of Israel. And the people would look to him for direction. That was the last verse. Verse 34 of chapter 35. Now, in chapter 36, we have this dilemma. See if I can pick something out here. A man, no sons. He dies. He's got four daughters. Who gets his land? We already talked about that a couple weeks ago. God said the four daughters get the man's inheritance, the property. Okay, but here's the complication in this chapter. Now that we've subdivided the land and these four daughters all have their father's property, it's going to be theirs. What happens if they marry outside of their, their family? The Danites and uh, the Benjaminites and the... Uh, what happens if they've already got this land and this land has been given to them? What, should, what happens now since everybody's got this subdivided property? God says they stay in their own family structure or they forfeit the land if they marry outside 
of their family. And, it's, and these families are huge, by the way. There are thousands and maybe hundreds of thousands of people. But that's all that chapter is about. And again, I don't want, I'm trying to get to somewhere. I don't need to read that. It's a little laborious, and I, I want you to uh, understand what chapter 36 was about. So that's the last chapter of the, the book of Numbers. And we've been doing Exodus and then Numbers forever. But I want you to see verse 13. Last chapter of the book of Numbers. These are the commandments and the judgments which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses unto the children of Israel in the plains of Moab by the Jordan River near Jericho. That is a summary paragraph. What's next? Deuteronomy. In the book of Deuteronomy, we're not even going to try to go there. The book of Deuteronomy is all repetitious things over and over and over again. And again, it's all the travels, all the campings, it's all the rules, it's the Ten Commandments, it's all rehearsal. Moses, 120 years old, still with his mind being so sharp, his body, I think, is physically worn out. He goes through chapter, all these chapters in the book of Deuteronomy with what is called, if you're in the military, a change of command ceremony. And he's just going to review his whole life and how it, how it all came to pass. It would be repetitious for me to go there. But I want you to go to the very last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Very last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 34. And Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo. Now that's on the, that would be on the eastern side of the river there's a great mountain range there where you can look and oversee everything in Israel it's a high mountain peak and Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho and the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead and all the way to Dan Dan Years ago, I told you the story of Dan. First of all, Dan rebelled against the country of Israel. Dan was Israelite, but they rebelled against the leadership of Israel. And they lost that battle with all the men dying. So now you've got thousands of widows and thousands of daughters with no men in the family and the law went out that great singles party in Dan. And all the single men, many of the single men, they all went to Dan and they became Danites to pick up 
uh, the legacy of Dan and they married the widows and the, and the daughters. But that wasn't enough. Later on, Dan says, we don't like it here. They said, we don't like what God has chosen for us. You see, because on the other side of that border were the Philistines. And they kept coming in and stealing and taking their crops and taking their land and taking their, their... And Dan, some leadership in Dan said, forget this, let's move somewhere else. And they practically moved off the map. Big wagon trains going way north of the Sea of Galilee. Way north of Nazareth. We studied this morning. And there was a community of Dan, the Danites there. And when you do that, oh, the novelty wears off. Now, where are we going to worship? So some leadership decides... I know, and I don't understand this to this day. I know, we're, we will worship calves. Where does that come from? I think Satan. Almost every time you see a deviation, a cow is involved. They went way north of the Sea of Galilee and they developed their own area away from their enemy, the Philistines, and away from Jerusalem and Shiloh and all those centers of worship. They developed their own, they developed their own worship center, their own style of living. And just so you know, my wife and I went to visit, and everywhere you look, even in their temples, you go through calves, sandstone, calves you go past them into their temples statues of calves it's amazing how stupid people can be god jehovah is the only god we worship his son jesus christ given to us at at, at christmas and let nothing ever replace that Chapter 34 of the, the book of Deuteronomy. He went to Pisgah against Jericho. The Lord showed him all the land and all Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and all those places. And the Lord said to him, verse 4, This is the land which I swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it unto your seed. I have caused thee to see it with your own eyes, but you're not going. You're not going to cross over. I believe in my heart that Moses and maybe Mary were some of the humblest, meekest people that ever lived. I believe that Moses might have had only one mistake in his life where he was so used he was so used to, to the Lord leading him and directing him and that it might have, for a brief moment, gone to his head. And when God said, Strike, when God said speak to the, the stone, he struck it. He did it his way. Listen, don't do your Christian life 
your way. There is a price to pay. Be a strict, obedient servant of God. Verse 4, the Lord said unto him, this is the land. And he basically said, but you're not going to, only with your eyes. So Moses, verse 5, servant of the Lord died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried, God buried him in a valley in the land of Moab, over against Beth Peor. But no man knows of his sepulcher unto this day, the writing of this book. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. And watch, his eye was not dim. He could see clearly. No glasses. He could see clearly. His eye was not dim, nor his natural force abated. His natural strength, he still had it. Hmm. And the children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab. They wept for 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning were, for Moses were ended. And Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And the children of Israel hearkened unto him. And did as the Lord commanded Moses for a while. And there arose not a prophet since in Israel like unto Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And all the signs and the wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, those ten plagues, and to Pharaoh, and to all his servants, and to all his land, and in all that mighty hand, and in all the great terror which Moses showed in the sight of of all Israel. When he held up. When he called forth God's power. When he called forth God's. The people were just awed in terror and in fear. I believe. That's our word. That's, that's our Bible. We need to obey that without changing it. To without making it our own special little thing where we can change what we want. And I do want you to know that for a little bit, under Joshua's hand, they followed God. After Joshua, it all kind of fell apart. If you do it, write in your Bibles the date today, closed after almost a year of the book of uh, Numbers, the book of Exodus, and speed reading through Deuteronomy. Closed out December 8, 19, what's the year? Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your word and your direction. Help us, dear Lord, to be obedient, no matter what, and no matter what the consequences. Help us, Lord, to learn and obey and serve you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen.